0: So when I wake up in the Sabbath day and I'm supposed to delight in the Lord and I have nothing, nothing, no plans, no production, no productive plans, and all I want, all of my, what my heart wants is to check my email or to fix something in the backyard or to make that extra call that I didn't make or follow up with an, a client that I don't want to lose. That is where idolatry is revealed.
1: Welcome to the Wrestling With Faith podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tolliver. Join me as we go on a search for deeper faith
2: and deeper community.
3: hannah welcome back to the wrestling with faith podcast season two episode seven join us today as we discuss the sabbath with christian ray flores you are in for a rich conversation so grab a bible and a notebook and let's dive in
1: mark chapter 2 verse 23 One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful for only priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, welcome back to the Wrestling with Faith podcast. My name is Joshua and I am joined as always by Hannah and Tacho. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. good, good to see good. you. Yeah. Good to be, good to be here. Be back. Yeah, it's always good to be back in this room with you guys. It's a Thursday where we're at. So we're kind of halfway through the week and um we're, man, episode seven of this series. Crazy. Yeah, I can't believe it's this far already. Yeah. It's going
3: so fast. I know. <laughs> we we've uh
1: we dove into silence, solitude, scripture reading, yeah. um prayer. Prayer. That was oh, that was a great yeah, time with was Angela. Awesome. And last night's message on, um, simplicity
2: and, um, fasting fasting was fantastic, man. Thank you. Really, really great uh, job. Absolutely. Yeah. It was convicting for my own soul. Yeah. It was good for my faith. Yeah.
1: This whole series so far has been such a great invitation for me to see all the ways, um, where God is longing for me to see how he could work in my life and bring blessings and benefit my life. Ways that I just no i need to grow and i don't yeah. feel it's a negative thing i feel like it's such a cool invitation
2: absolutely
1: yeah so what yeah. about you guys how's it going practically for for living out what we're what we're teaching
3: yeah i echo that josh i think um a lot of these disciplines i think when we started a series on spiritual disciplines i thought oh man like there's going to be a lot of things i have to add um into my life and mm-hmm. into my practices you know things like that and as we've kind of journeyed through this i'm realizing like this doesn't necessarily require more time. It just makes the time that I do have with God so much richer. Mm, um, yeah. To spend the five minutes kind of calming my mind in solitude before I start my scripture reading or how to get the most out of my scripture reading or expand my prayer life. I mm-hmm. think it's it's taking the things that I'm already doing and kind of taking them up a notch a bit. Yeah. Right. And so I've really, really enjoyed that personally.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. As as you said, Um, it feels like Or the fear initially was, I'm going to have to add all of these things to my day or my walk with God. And I think the better word is probably integrate. Like, how do we integrate what we're learning? We don't necessarily have to, you know, it's like an ice cream cone and you'll have like 18 scoops on it. Like that just, it's not sustainable. It'll fall and be a disaster. But I do think there's a way for us to integrate these Mm -hmm. practices into our day-to-day life. And a few minutes here, a few minutes there. Um, Yeah, you asked, how's it going practically? I know for me as a father of two kids, if I don't wake up before the girls, it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciated Jake and uh, he convicted me when he said that he woke up at 4.45 to have time with God. So on the days that I do get up before them, I feel like my solitude time has been incredible. I I just, I really feel it when I don't have times of solitude. So that has been amazing. Um, I've practiced Lectio Divina less than I um, was anticipating. anticipating, but I want to get on that. The times that I have practiced that individually or with people has been really, really refreshing. And um, yeah, I know we just talked about um, fasting and simplicity last night, but I'm really looking forward to make a plan about what I can do to simplify my life Mm -hmm. in order to really connect with God. Not just, you know, in my 30 minute time in the morning, but throughout the day. So I'm really excited for that as well.
1: I'm definitely convicted by last night. Um, Just the concept of Simplicity and the invitation to the way that Jesus lived, Mm -hmm. because Jesus did not live a lavish life. Yeah, and when I choose to be His apprentice and follow Him, there along the journey, I think He just continues to make aware in my heart the things that I'm not living out like Him. Mm -hmm. And something that I was thinking about last night was that fasting I think opens the door to where our life needs to simplify, Mm. and I think it's just so convicting to me because this whole series so far has just showed me that my own happiness, my own joy, my own peace and contentment is not, Situational, mm-hmm. and nor is it circumstantial. Yeah, it's not based on when, when my last vaca- when my last vacation was. Kind of mm-hmm. like what we yeah. talked on the first episode. Yep. It's completely based on the sacred rhythms that I choose to live. yeah and am I really living like Jesus? Mm-hmm. And it's so much more than just checking off the box of discipleship, going to church, trying not to sin,
2: mm-hmm. sharing yeah. my faith. It's yep. so much deeper than that and so much more life-giving. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And something that I did want to go back and say, I think I made reference to this last night, but um, simplicity isn't anti-possessions, right? It's having the right relationship with them. Right. So even the whole concept, like, certainly Jesus didn't live lavishly, but he enjoyed his life. He did. And he yeah. enjoyed the gifts that God gave him, the gifts of community. He drank wine with his disciples. Great like. Point. And I think there's something about that. It's enjoy the gifts that God has given you but just don't allow them to master you. Always remember mm. they are gifts to be enjoyed, not slave drivers to mm-hmm. to take control of your life. Mm-hmm. So I think that was something that has really helped me to create a balance of enjoy the gifts, just don't be ruled by them.
1: Speaking of gifts... I think we're, so we're diving into this next spiritual discipline and, and part of our path of formation is the gift of the Sabbath. Mm. Yeah. And this scripture is really interesting as the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus about the command of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So clearly we get a picture that there is a command. Mm -hmm. Jesus is calling it more of a gift in a sense. And so what's your
2: opinion on the Sabbath? This is, this is kind of a little bit of no man's land here Mm. that we're getting into. So. It is. Yeah. Well, that's a very complex question. And, um, I will say this is just my own opinion, and um, I think it's always good to start with the word. So let's let's look back at this. Um, you know, the Pharisees had an issue with Jesus doing what was unlawful to them on the Sabbath, but then he he kind of gets to the heart of the Sabbath where he begins talking about. Um, what Sabbath really is. And as I look at verse 27, he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. And then he declares himself Lord, even of the Sabbath. So to me, as as I look at that, I think the word gift is actually the perfect word to describe Sabbath. It is a gift for us to be enjoyed. I think once we become legalistic about it, or am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Did I do enough on the Sabbath? Did I not do enough on the Sabbath? Like, I I just think that that becomes, it no longer is a gift mm. once we start approaching it that way. So, my, my personal conviction on the Sabbath is to primarily focus on three things, which is from Wayne M- Mueller, I believe, from his book on the Sabbath. Um, those three things are to delight, to rest, and to worship. Um, so, I think that's something for me that um, really holds dear to my heart, and I, I really try to implement that into my times of the Sabbath.
3: Yeah, Tacho, I I love that you tapped into something really um, important there. My thought on the Sabbath is for a very long time, I would take a day off. And that was when (laughs) I would basically stop working. But if I had a doctor's appointment or needed to grocery shop or clean the house or whatever it may be, that was my day to get things done that weren't kind of my paid vocational work. (laughs) Um, But I read this verse with a very different lens in verse 28 when Jesus says, so the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, that I realized that Jesus was actually not Lord of that day off, Mm. that it was not about worship. It was not about connecting with God, going deeper with him, spending additional time with him. It was kind of just my catch all day to do the things that I didn't get to the rest of the week. Mm. And Jesus was not Lord of that day. And so I love that Jesus teaching here is on him am needing to be Lord of this day in order for it to really be Sabbath.
1: Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of opinions about Sabbath. It's gonna be really interesting to dive into this discipline because I think that there's not necessarily a written right way to do it mm. in the yeah. new commandment and in mm-hmm. the new covenant, but there are certainly wrong ways to do sure. it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that'll be really interesting to learn that yep. together as a community too, because yeah. I also think something that I hope is shaped that shapes our listeners and shapes our ministry is Sabbath is something that the whole community is supposed to really partake in Mm. and which is such a cool part. I remember uh, living in New York city, it was the most interesting thing. I was a chess tutor and I remember I had a client once where I showed up and the the times had changed, right? So it was like daylight savings and suddenly Mm. the sun was going, the sun was going down Mm -hmm. way quicker and it was a Friday night. And when I got there, the sun went down earlier. And I remember the mom, this was a Jewish family. They were very well off and, uh,
2: just, <laughs> just had to throw that yeah, in. There. <laughs> living in New York.
1: It was actually literally, it was in one of the big humongous high rises. Well. Um, and so I remember the mom came in and she said, okay, it's time for you to leave. And I, and I was like, oh, we actually have 30 more minutes left in our session. And she said, oh no, sorry. Sun's going down. Sabbath is starting. Wow, and, and, and I, I didn't—I didn't even know they were Jewish, but I thought it was so cool. At the wow, time, I was actually—I awesome. was really inconvenienced and annoyed because I <laughs> wanted to finish my session, right? Uh-huh. Did they uh, pay and, you? Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, but it was interesting to me looking back on that. Now that I've been trying to Sabbath for the last five years, and uh-huh. many times I really don't do it well, it's really been interesting to know that. As I hope our listeners, Sabbath is meant to be something that we all do together, but there are the it's 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 so opinion based in many ways. But yeah. it really, I love what you said. It has to bring delight, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to dive into that with Christian today. I'm excited to have Christian Ray Flores on so the podcast. Excited. Yeah, yeah, and so um, excited for you guys to listen on the interview that I yeah, had with him. absolutely. Uh, it is incredibly life giving and uh, very formative. Amen. So Amen. let's dive in. <laughs> Half Chilean and half Russian, Christian has lived in Russia, Chile, Germany, and Mozambique. Speaks four languages and has a master's degree in economics. To top it off, he had a successful music career in the '90s in Russia and co-founded his company Third Drive. Christian has worked in ministry around the globe in faraway locations such as Moscow and Kiev, as well as more exotic places such as Los Angeles and Miami. Christian has a passion for filmmaking and absolutely loves. Austin, Texas, Christian. It's great to have on the podcast, man. How are you? I am doing well, Joshua. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's just a. It's good to. It's good to be talking. I, I um. We got a chance just to let our listeners in. Uh, there was a conversation that Christian and I had. Oh man, what was it? It wasn't last. Was it last year at the Evangelist Retreat in New Mexico? Was that when it was? I think so, yes. Yeah, me and you sat down and we had lunch with Tacho. And man, I just I just really loved hearing about your life and and and, and talking to you. And I know we're going to dive into why we brought you on the podcast. We're obviously going to be talking about Sabbath today. Um, but before we do that, um, man, I just wanted to know, how how you doing? What have you been up to nowadays? How's life? How's Austin? How's the company? How's life in general? It's a... Uh... It's very exciting it's
0: uh, uh, I would say busy but it's exciting busy right it's not um, bad busy we just came back from Ukraine we spent some time in Ukraine we, Wow! how is that one of the things one of the things that we're doing is is building what's called the Ukraine relief network you can check it out at Um it was very intense very emotional and very meaningful. Wow. So we did a lot of good stuff there and um, I I can if you'd like I can give you some insights into that but it's it's it was very intense. Then at the same time we became empty nesters Deb and I. We have three daughters, 27, 20 and 18. And during the summer the eight, the 20-year-old we moved her into student housing at St. Edward's University. She's studying, she's in business school there studying marketing and moved the the younger one, 18, Bella into S- texas state uh dorms okay. and then we moved from a, a larger house which is sort of the the family estate so to say where there's so much room and there's you know it was sort of the hangout for for youth for a long time and we sort of downgraded a little bit downsized rather we didn't downgrade and uh, moved to another place as well so all of that in the in the span of couple months uh and, um, so things are good. Uh, the church is doing well. We pastor our church here uh, called Tribe. And, um, the business is also interesting. We're working with some startups and some marketing projects. That's sort of the two sides of the business. I'm actually starting a new business. It's, it's a coaching business for, for leaders to integrate, um, professional success and personal happiness which is essentially code for spiritual alignment and well-roundedness. So wow. Basically. So that's I'm starting a new one called exponential
1: life um right now actually. So so there's a lot going on. Man, how do you find how do you balance all of that? So you're you're pastoring a church, you run a company, Now a a coaching business and and a family man, three daughters, a wife. Yes. Do you have any dogs? I mean, how do you balance all that? I have a dog.
0: I have a (laughs) dog called Luna. Yes. And she's wonderful. And we, obviously we have, we have a project in Africa and after school academy and the Ukraine Relief Network as well. So it's, you know, honestly, it's not that hard. um, Once you have the right teams in place and, Hmm. uh, you know, it's not that hard actually, you know, like it seems more than it actually is in, in real life.
1: Well, that's good to know. I strive to be more like you, man, in that way. You're just, it's so cool how many things you're doing. Yeah, I was um, preparing for the interview and I, uh, you know, I've been doing something this season a little bit of just seeing what happens when I Google someone. Uh-huh. And you know, our previous guests, you know, it's like you might get something here or there. You know, we were talking to Angela Hooper. There's like a you know, so many Angela Hoopers in the world. So like, you know, dozens of Angela right. Hoopers popped up. But I have to say, when I when I Google near your name, as I'm sure you're aware, you're the only one who pops up and you're prominent um on the internet and, and uh your Wikipedia article is is very informative. I don't know, um right. I don't know who wrote all that, but uh it was it was really fascinating reading about your early life. Um Sure. Yeah. yeah. So if we were to kind of look at your, your life in um, just kind of at a 30,000 foot view. So you started off, um, you were born in Chile? I was actually born in Moscow. Okay. Um, and we moved to Chile when I was, I think, like six months old or something. Very, so a baby, basically. Yeah. Wow. Very early on. Mm-hmm. And through that, then, and then you moved back to Russia. Yes, uh, but before that there was a military coup
0: in Chile in 1973. My dad was in a concentration camp. a whole family was in a refugee camp. In fact, my first um, childhood memories were um, I have two, you know I have these early flashes right And I know there was a memories because I don't have pictures of those. One is of my mom, and holding my hand, standing on the outside of a concentration camp. They basically put all these prisoners in soccer stadiums. So it's a, imagine a soccer stadium uh, with barbed wire around, and then there's soldiers at the perimeter guarding it. So my mom is passing uh, food and try, asking the soldier to see if he can give it to my dad. Wow. And, um, so that's one memory, and then the other one is, uh, have a bunch of small memories from the actually refugee, the UN refugee camp we were in for a few months after my dad was released. So that sent us traveling, and we ended up in Germany at first, and back in Russia for brief period. And we're really, you know, living in a communal apartment, like the worst you can imagine of the Soviet Union. It was that kind of thing. And then eventually we made it out. My dad got a a job in Mozambique, Africa. So it's Southwest Africa, right right across from Madagascar. If you want to, you want some sort of a reference point, Madagascar, everybody knows that big island that looks like a ship uh, off of South,
1: um, Southeast Africa. Wow. And then at what point So I guess, so you're, you, you're just an international man raised across. I mean, just really what a childhood filled with, I'm sure, joyous moments and incredibly traumatic moments. Um, Yes. How did this all lead to you finding Jesus? How did you come to the faith? Well, we bet,
0: we went back to, to the Soviet Union at the time when I was 14 years old, after my parents' divorce. Um, It was very traumatic for me. So it really had a huge traumatic impact for me and affected my romantic life tremendously in a bad way Mm. and um, in Russia so I lived through more sort of historic moments in Russia I was there we went back in 84 so I was there when the Soviet Union fell apart wow I saw tanks in the streets, all of that stuff that that happened in the early on. I was there, and uh, as a matter of fact, I got my masters in economics in Russia, and I did both. They taught me halfway through the, st- the professors, uh, which, uh, which I still admire them for that tremendously. They started teaching us market, um, free market economics as well, uh, which was super exciting at the time and very formative because I saw, I was studying this stuff in depth as I was seeing. The centralized market, the communist Marxist model, uh, crumble. Wow! Right before my eyes. As a matter of fact, I graduated with a master's in 1991, which was the year where the the Soviet Union literally uh, fell apart, right, imploded. So, so after that, I basically I I worked with with international trade for a little bit. I was really bored out of my mind. It was very artistic, and I just really had that passion for music and dance and you know, all of that stuff. So I obsessed over music, the music industry specifically. So not just music, but also music industry, which is sort of that business angle, mm-hmm. that, you know, dimension of the music business. And I I just, one thing will lead to another and I basically thought I would give it a try. And um, in about a year I was on national television. So it was just a combination of some talent, some hard work, and also being at the right place at the right time. It's incredible. Um, and um, and that really sort of took off like a rocket, right? So by the time I was invited to church, I was, you know, TV, radio, playing essentially sports arenas, uh, I mean, large clubs, sports arenas, all kinds of venues. Um, I had a number one hit uh, literally the month I became a Christian.
1: You wow. Know? A number um, one hit in, in Russia. <laughs>
0: in Russia called Our Generation, which ended up being one of the anthems that Boris Yeltsin used to defeat the communists in their presidential campaign. So I campaigned for him as a disciple uh, already. I, by, by that time, I was, I was baptized. And um, I, what brought me to the faith was this profound um, sense of uh, the meaninglessness of life because all I've ever dreamed of was... You know, playing big venues and writing songs that people would sing, and all of that happened so quickly, and at the end of, at the at the other end of that dream uh, came uh, less fulfillment, more disappointment, mm. confusion, um, yeah. just really you know um, a, a disillusionment of that deep disillusionment, and that's how I came to Christ. I was invited as a matter of fact, I was invited to the same church twice before, literally once on average once a year. And I said no. And then on the third time, on the third time, where, where I sort of made a mess of my life already by then, <laughs> yeah. I was desperate enough and humbled enough to, to come to a Sunday service, and
1: and that's that's what happened. Man, what a journey! Yeah. Do you um, and th- and then you, okay. So that was Moscow in the nineties. And here we are in 2022 in Austin, Texas. So what brought you to Austin and and, and you and your wife What brought you guys here? Well, the backstory is that we,
0: a couple of years after um, I became a Christian, I really felt the call to preach and to go in ministry. So I basically sort of walked away from my career to lead churches and to, to be an evangelist which is what I did in Moscow. Um, there was a large church there and in Kiev. So we lived in Kiev for a year. And through that, I we got married. So four, four years after I became a Christian, I got married to Deb, Deb DeFloris now. She was Debbie Smith at the time. Nice. And uh, <laughs> as Americans, <laughs> as Americans- That's a they very come.
1: American name, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Debbie Smith, baby, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was reminding my daughter the other day, she was like, she's very American. I said, yeah, but- Remember that she grew up in São Paulo when she was a kid, when she was in high school, and and that that brought a very different dimension to her life. She became much more international, very formative time. So I think she the the international dimension came into her life when she was in São Paulo, Brazil. So anyway, we I married her, and she. She had some health issues with with the weather, which were unexpected. So it was just unsustainable for us to stay there just for health reasons, and we moved because of that. Uh, And we ended up doing some work for an organization called Hope Worldwide. I was basically country director for Latin America, and I did a national project as well, a national program called Positive Choice which I was a director to as well. And then eventually that brought us from, from Ukraine to Philadelphia to Palm beach, Florida, which was sort of where closer to Latin America, some, you know, South American missions connections there. And then eventually we went back in the ministry in Los Angeles and we actually back in the ministry. We've never stopped. being We were basically by vocational ministers the whole time. And, uh, we did some uh, and started a company in Los Angeles while we were in ministry. So I've been by vocational for actually r- probably seventy percent of my time that I've done ministry. I've done it by vocational mm. uh, by this point. Um, yeah, so we started a, co- a production company. My wife Deb used uh, worked for MTV and VH1 in the in the days where MTV and VH1 were actually a associated with music and not reality TV. Right, right. <laughs> it was actually just beginning to, to venture into reality TV at the time. But she she has worked with some of the biggest stars in the world. And, and so between my background and her background, also she's a theater major, so we're both humanities, sort of creative types. We started a company that did music videos and music production for artists. And... Um, when we stepped out of ministry in Los Angeles because we were wanted to align more with international missions, and at the time it wasn't um, wasn't really um, doable in the in the way we wanted it done at the time in Los Angeles. So I stepped out, kept our company, and moved to Austin to plant a church called Tribe. And it was sort of a combination of I really there was this vision, this Holy Spirit led vision of how to plant a community that is organic, uh, very relational, non-hierarchical, and uh, full of love and full of alignment culturally with the city we're in and service to the city we live in. So that was sort of a vision that we had. And we we had the opportunity to, to do it here in Austin uh, through, with our friends, Dave and Angela Hooper, that you mentioned before, who we've known. I've actually known Dave since before I became a Christian. So we had wow. a lot of trust, a lot of love. And uh, he wanted to plant a church in downtown. And I wanted to do that. And I sort of moved with that, with that vision here. Um, and uh, so I was sort of running a company. Uh, which actually I, we discontinued to start a new company after that um, so that's I've been here for a decade which is the longest we've been anywhere together as a couple
1: you guys have really uh, had a chance to grow some roots there in Austin <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's great to talk. I I, I see so much of, um, I, I I there's so many similarities in our own life, and you know, I like your wife. I was a theater major, uh, moved mm-hmm. all around, uh, lived in New York, lived in the Caribbean, lived in L.A., uh, and now I'm here in Texas, growing some roots. And so it's just, uh, man, it, it's it's right? it's great to always sit down and talk with a fellow creative. And yeah. talk about the creative life, international,
0: international yes, person. Interna- right? and I, I guess I, I was also raised in very South unique. Africa,
1: so that helps. Yeah, that, I know that. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Wow. So you know what I'm talking about. You know yes, how it feels. Like. Yes,
1: I do, and I'm grateful for it, man. It's just it's so cool to sit at your feet. Um, so. Today, I we wanted to have you on to discuss the Sabbath. Um, it was such a interesting and formative conversation that we had. It might have been a blip on your map, but it was very formative for me uh, when we sat down and had lunch there in New Mexico. And I was just really grateful to hear your perspective. And I wanted to get a chance for our listeners to—well, um, Tacho and I were there at the lunch, and, and we just wanted to have a chance for our listeners to— to listen uh, and, and, for, and to discuss the concept of the Sabbath and why it's important. Um, and, uh, and so just as we dive in, in your own words, how would you define the Sabbath? The Sabbath is, in, if it's
0: in one sentence, it's a sanctuary in time, in my mind, in my world, right?
1: A sanctuary in time. That's what it is. Wow. Could you elaborate on that? So how did you, how did you come to that definition? Plenty of our listeners have like, probably don't even know really what the Sabbath is other than the fact that it's talked about in the (laughs) scriptures, you know what I mean? Something that you were supposed to do. It's a time, you
0: know, it's a time of, um, of realignment, I think, uh, of delight of a hundred percent delight. I would say the way, the way it came about for me and I can Obviously, unpack this. Please. The the way it came about was I was in Los Angeles. I was in my, I want to say either late 30s, probably late 30s, early 40s, somewhere in that general vicinity. Okay. And I had a, I I I wouldn't even call it a crisis because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something bad. It was something that matured inside of me as a need, as a, as a quest for fullness Mm. that I think comes, um, to some people as a crisis, but some people really more of as an, as a midlife realignment, recalibration. That's probably more precise. I sort of joke about it as a, as a midlife crisis, but it truly (laughs) is, it was a recalibration of life. Mm. Um, because I really wanted to, um, know where I'm going. I wanted to love my family, my friends, my God. Um, I wanted to know that my life has meaning and what, what is the meaning and all of that stuff. So it's sort of this, I went on this quest, I think it lasted around about three years where I basically deconstructed my game, so to say, spiritually speaking. Mm. and And build it back up so it's an awkward time because you're sort of not a new person yet but you're not the old person either mm. and so i would go to like christian conferences that are non not our family of churches conferences because i wanted a d- different take on things mm. so i'll talk i'll go to one or two a year that are have nothing to do with what i'm used to i love that read a bunch of books um i re sort of reinvented prayer um, as as essential as a spiritual practice in my life, so, and I just I just discovered that I was a bit more mechanical than than I think I should be, and more it, it was more of a habit than a spiritual practice for me. So I basically. I would just basically take a discipline and go, I'm going to not stop studying this and practicing this until it changes my life. You know? So it was, it was that kind of season in life. So prayer was probably the first one. And I would just wrestle with it, wrestle with it and read books and pray in a lot and go on these crazy, long prayer walks. And, and basically my, the discipline was I wanted to know intellectually, but also I wanted to experience it transformationally. So, so it took a, a took a, a long time to do that, and then eventually I came upon the Sabbath as a spiritual practice as well. And uh, so, it's a bit of a long answer. Sorry. Um, no, I love it. And the, the so, and the reason mm-hmm. for that was that I I realized that to recalibrate what I my desires and my aspirations, I had to be able to sort of clean my palate, right? And I found that that's sort of the chief goal of of, um, of the Sabbath. Um, like to 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 give you a very con, con sort of modern cultural context here, uh, like consumerism. There's there's another. There's another word for it is hedonism, right? I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. The hedonic treadmill, you know, is basically embracing your desires. Hedonism is, and consumerism, which is the same thing, is embracing your desires, right? So the response to that, let's say in Buddhism, is detaching from your desires, right? Um, Or perhaps um, stoicism as well, to a degree. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath is about aligning your desires, Mm-hmm. So it's fundamentally profoundly different from all those things especially in contrast with consumerism which we're inevitably all influenced by right uh, living in a very individualistic society in very in, in a, one of the wealthiest countries not only in the world but in history yeah so so embracing your desires and aligning your desires that's the difference so you you embrace your desires uh, you're like bombarded with with these calls and invitations to embrace your desires uh, because you're immersed in it right. and you're even un- you're probably unaware just how much of that is happening because it's like you know the fish doesn't know the fish is wet right But the Sabbath is a, it's it's a complete se- seizing of activity of production and and a hundred percent about delighting, in our creator and god mm. his provision his ways his heart his joy um and are and aligning so my desires start resonating with god's desires right uh, so it's it's that's why i call it a sanctuary in time it's because you just you you're safe from the from the rat race right from the treadmill mm. um you, you you fall into this place of complete joy, and it's so hard because, and, and I would say not even joy, but delight, right? Delight is almost like a step above joy in my mind. And this is my fourth language, so I might be not even understanding it correctly, right? But uh, delight is this just complete savoring of joy, right, in my mind. So delight for a full day, that's, the, that's essentially the... The task here. Wow. <laughs> delight in the Lord. Delighting in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Yeah. Most of us cannot delight for an hour, let alone a day. Mm. We're unable because of guilt, because of busyness, because of idolatry, because of shame, because of all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, because of ego. So, as someone who is, a, you know, a very, I'm a, dri- a very driven guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, for me to stop production, stop getting things done for a full day, and dedicated to only delight, it was torture. It was very, very hard to do, right? But, it, but it, what it revealed is my profound idolatrous state. Mm. You know, um, you don't know that you're an addict. Until you stop consuming it, whatever it is that you're an addict of.
1: Wow. Right.
0: So when I wake up in the Sabbath day and I'm supposed to delight in the Lord and I have nothing, nothing, no plans, no production, no productive plans. And all I want, all of my, what my heart wants is to check my email or to fix something in the backyard or to make that extra call that I didn't make or follow up with a client that I don't want to lose Um, that is where idolatry is revealed
1: wow mic drop (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I have so many questions um Why, um, and I, okay, so we obviously get a picture of the Sabbath in the first couple pages of the Bible, right? On the seventh day of, you know, God rests and then he makes Mm -hmm. it from, I mean, then he makes it from something he did. Then he instructs his entire people to do the same. And I can Mm -hmm. gather from, from what you were saying as well, that obviously this comes from, I loved how you said it, a realignment of values. To remember mm-hmm. it's not um, It's
0: actually not even values, it's desires. Desires,
1: yeah. That's yeah.
0: Because values can be, hey, you know, my my church community or my corporate culture hasn't inst- or my parents have instilled something in me that I find valuable. Mm-hmm. But it's there's a there's a, a limit to that depth. But my desires. Right. That's a whole different yeah, level of the depth.
1: Inner, it's like the, the inner language yeah. of our spirit, what our spirit longs Precisely. for. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, and you see this practice of Sabbath observed within the Jewish culture and the Israelites, um, and and then you see Jesus observing but also breaking. Um, And there seems to be a dichotomy here of what, how, you know, you were stoned if you didn't keep the Sabbath. I don't know. I'm sure you and Deb don't keep large stones around just in case one of you guys is breaking the Sabbath. Thankfully. Thankfully we Um, do not. So you have this, you observe this culture. It was like he was, God was so serious about commanding the culture of Sabbath and, and the instruction. You have to keep this. Jesus then provides freedom in that. I think in the new covenant, it's not this, like, if you don't do it, you need to be stoned, you know, which I'm grateful yeah. for. Um, but that, I think, is where my generation, and most generations come into a hard time, is I I tend to not want to form through— I don't—so this whole season's talking about spiritual formation. And one of the hardest mm-hmm. things that I find to combat in spiritual formation is things that feel like rules and instructions. Typically— um, mm-hmm. keep me away from wanting to do them. Cause you know, as a millennial, I kind of want to just be able to do what I want to do. I'm a snowflake. Right. I fly by the seat of my own pants. you know, like I, I beat my own drum. Mm. I'm going to find my own path. I'm going to do my own career. And so when I hear about things that are instructions, it, it's hard to follow them. Well, versus you, maybe an invitation is a lot easier to follow. Because it saves you I from idolatry. Like, right. And I hope I'm making sense, but in that. Yes, you are. Absolutely. In that sense. Uh-huh. Um, but on a practical level.
0: It it's a reset from your old idolatry. You're clean. You clear your palate. You are um, not embracing your desires, but aligning your desires with God's desires. And it's it's a superpower. So it's it's almost like drinking of the superpower. Wow. Uh, in in a it's basically I would say what the quiet time as a practice, you know, a morning ritual of prayer and contemplation and Bible study does for you. Uh, for a, on a daily basis, that's what the Sabbath does for you on a weekly basis. So, but it's a mass, it's it's a, obviously, if you think about it, sundown from sundown, right? It's a massive investment. It's a massive drinking uh, of the Holy Spirit. It's a feasting. Mm. You know, if, if you're taking a, um, you know, if you're taking a bite or having a, you know, a good plate of it in the morning during a quiet time, you're feasting all day. On on a Sabbath, um, so it's just it's just a very a, a deeper level of of the same thing, I would say. But and there's layers to it as well, obviously, uh, because it's a mystery, mm. right? Um, and I would say maybe to what what you said was something important is that we are in you are a millennial, and obviously there's a generational cultural sh- sort of uh, color to you know marching uh, to your own drum. I'm sort of, I'm 53 years old, but I'm sort of more, more of a millennial than many millennials in that sense. Sure, so yeah, the same way. certainly by, by so your it's more, history, yeah. Yeah, so it's not really, a, it's not even an age thing, it's a culture thing, mm-hmm. right? It's a mindset thing. Yeah, so I totally understand what you're talking about here. And to that, this is what I would say. You do not have to be a, a Pharisee. That's, that's not the invitation and the New Testament clearly tells us that Jesus is our Sabbath mm-hmm. right very very clearly and and even that you can you can chew on that right um, um so you, you it's not about the law it's not about limitations but you want rhythms and and structure and almost like limiting practices so that you can Benefit from the actual practice, mm-hmm. right? So, so for example, when does it start? When does it end? What do you do in between? What are some of the what are some of the rituals that you? That you develop for that. And obviously in, in the Jewish culture, it's become this. Like there's there's libraries of books of commentaries written about the Sabbath and what to practice it. And it's just beautiful stuff there, right? And it's not meant to be you take all of this and you and you do all of it. That's not that's not even the essence of Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. Jewish culture is you follow your rabbi and what he you know, his burden, you know, what actually Jesus um, re- references, my my burden is light. What does that mean? It's my set of limitations and rules and, and restrictions that help you live a fullest life, right? That's the burden. Um, so the burden of Sabbath is it's, it's one full day, right? And even that can be re- reduced or if you're sort of breaking into Sabbath into, okay, let's do it half a day. But let's Sabbath for half a day then, right? Mm. Um, So for me, can can I describe to you what how it's practiced? I would love that.
1: One of my questions was I wanted to know (laughs) how how you practice. Yeah, please tell us how do you practice out the Sabbath practically? Yeah,
0: yeah. So so here's what we are we are, and it's also a moving target, right? It's it's evolving. It's a living organism type thing. So what we do is we we used to Sabbath on Mondays. Um, and I think the reason for that, primarily originally, was because you know we work on a Sunday if we preach and sort of the church th- things like that. We switched it actually to to sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, so the the actual traditional Jewish um, way. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to bring my full supercharged self to church on Sunday morning. Wow. I wanted to. Br- I wanted to be. I want it to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit the minute I walk into church and be able to serve well. As opposed to the church gets sort of the scraps of me emotionally because I'm already tired by the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so so I rest from, it's not, I am I go to church and then I rest from a long week and church on Monday. Yeah. No, it's, I am... I am drinking from the Holy Spirit on 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 Saturday, so I can overflow with the Holy Spirit on Sunday. So that was the shift. So the way we do it is we on Friday night. Um, it's sort of really low ritual, but there there are rituals that we do in our family. Um, we light a candle at sundown, and then traditionally the the woman of the house leads a prayer, and there's other prayers and stuff like that. We just usually limit with. My wife, Deb, she leads a prayer. And then sometimes I follow the prayer, sometimes I don't, but that's the ritual. But it marks the beginning, right? And it's also at sundown and, uh, you know, sometimes we're slightly, you know, before or slightly after sundown. So we don't really concern ourselves too much, but it's really important to remember. I, I think I read it with... I think it might have been Joshua Heschel, who is sort of considered the the modern classic of the Sabbath Mm -hmm. um, in the Jewish world. And I I reread his book every once in a while. And so I just, almost every Sabbath, I read a chapter of of Heschel's work. And um, what he said, I think, I think he said that, I might be quoting somebody else actually, is that the reason why sundown is awesome is because you can't negotiate
1: with the sun. Yeah, that's Abraham Heschel, yeah. I think it was him, Yeah, no right? arguing with the sundown. It happens when it happens. Yeah, like you
0: can't negotiate. It's like, hey, how about an extra hour? No, 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 no. Stop your, stop the treadmill, stop the rat race. Mm. It's Sabbath time. It's holy time, mm. and it's not up to you. You know, and so it's just wonderful. It's wonderful to have that, that sort of inevitable, in, in, It's inevitable that the light will come mm. on this moment mm-hmm. right and it does something for you i mean sort of i'm speaking to the millennial in me and in you as well when i say ah i really want to i want to i want wiggle room right, right. i want i want to get uh, one more call or one more email in or something like that yeah. uh, and there's something sacred and holy about saying this is it the sun is down it's time to delight right and it's profoundly transformative to the degree where, where if I'm doing well, if I'm in in tune with the Sabbath, um, sometimes I light the candle and I'm in tears, mm. like that, right? It's joy it's this on demand. Comes off and yeah. yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this spiritual high that is completely on demand in the sense of. It's just, you can turn it on. I mean, how many people wish they had that?
1: Right. No. Right? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> right? Yeah. How
0: many people would, would just pay so much to be able to do that to whatever stress, whatever anxiety, whatever mm-hmm. drama, financial burdens, uh, all of that anxiety uh, you have and everybody has them can be turned off by the lighting of a candle and a prayer. Wow. That's why I think rituals like that are important right. because they trigger something transformative.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Um, and then so basically th- the rest of the day we just we don't hold a diet that's one of the key things here right so we like we, no no diet nice. no keto no no, no no nothing right. Okay. Uh, so we f- we feast. I love that. So whatever we want to eat whatever makes us you know feel great and actually it doesn't make us sick, which would be like it that would sure that would reduce the delight, right? Um we do, right? So we 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 feast, we make love normally on the Sabbath, Deb and I, right? And it's a different kind of making love because it's just sort of it's it's layered with delight and not being in a hurry and not being burdened and not being um you know, not it's it's just it's just different. Feels different, right? Um, we usually spend time with family, uh, and it's it's sort of this delicate this delicate structure because uh, you know when you have kids in the house and you take them to like a birthday party or event or something like that. So we, our r- rule of thumb was like, look, we can do one maximum two things that are delight filled family times things. Mm-hmm. But if you do three, even if those all three of them are awesome, we don't do them because it feels like work. Right. right? It feels like production. It feels like a rat race. So, so it's quite a struggle to be able to navigate it. Um, but I think it's worth, that's why constraints are important. Right. Um, because constraints keep you in line and in delight. Um, so we do that and we just spend time with people that we delight in. And uh, even our friends in, in ministry, you know, who we serve, obviously, they go, so what do we do? Like if we're hanging out with you in, in the Sabbath uh, and I tell them we are not here to to unpack. It's not a counseling session. It's a delighting session here. So if you want to delight in me and I'll delight in you, we can get together on a Sabbath and have a meal and feast together. But if you if, if you know, if we have things to to talk about the, on, that seem, feel like a to-do list. Let's just move it to Monday or, or keep it on, keep it on Friday or something right, like that. Right. Right. So the, these are some of the colors around it. Right. And, uh, um, at the end of on sundown on Saturday, we eventually, Deb and I sort of discovered this wonderful thing called the haftalah. And the haftalah is a little, it's, a, it's also a little ritual. Right. And it's, it could be this big, but we, we constrain it to something very, very small. And you have, you, we have a half the last, um set, which is basically a silver tray and it has a candle holder and it's supposed to be like a tree, three strand um, candle and we just use like normal candles. Okay. And uh, <laughs> there's a cup, there's like a chalice in it and there's a container for spices. So what you do is uh, on the Havdalah prayer is what the at the end of the Sabbath is. I I lead a prayer, and it's, sometimes it's more formal, sometimes it's less formal. But it's basically a, a, along the lines of, uh, "Glory be to you, God of the God, Master of the universe, that you've separated the holy from the sacred, uh, the mundane from the sacred, and the six days of work from the seventh day." and Israel from everyone else, and all of that stuff. So there's a, there's a little bit of a prayer that's formulated. And sometimes I say it, and sometimes I don't. Uh, but there's a stop to the Sabbath. And what's cool about it is that you are you're savoring the last moments, right? And what you're doing is, so you light this candle, and then you say this prayer. And then um, you sort of delight in the, in the candlelight, and you have a drink of wine, and basically this chalice, this small cup, you, you pour the wine in until the wine overflows into the tray. And this is to signal just the abundance of God. Mm. So all these things matter if you make it matter, right? Right, right. So you're, you're observing in candlelight this wine just pour in, pour in, pour in, and then it just overflows. And you're, if you know what, if it has meaning for you, it just it's like the Holy Spirit pouring over. Right? In your heart. Amazing. And then you have a drink of it, and you have a drink of it, and you savor it. And then you take the rest and you put out the candle with the wine. Right? And then you open the, There's this beautiful container for spices. And then you open it and you smell the spices. And I don't know what they put in these spices. I think it's cinnamon and some other stuff. I think. Uh, but it's just this... Just perfect... It's a perfect smell. Because, and the idea is that you, you, you smell the, the spice of God's goodness. So it's very multi sensory, right? Mm. And it becomes also transformative, very emotional. Mm. So Deb and I just say that prayer and do the stuff and the smell it, and we just, there's this ah, feeling that descends upon us, right? Mm. And there's a big smile on our face, and it's just says of gratitude and fullness that comes upon us. Right? Well, can you imagine what that kind of reset, recalibration, realignment does to you as a human being? Yeah. You know how it impacts your marriage, your friendships, your work, your creativity the way you even speak to people on, 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 on a Sunday morning, when you see brothers and sisters in in Christ, like it just changes everything. Yeah. Right. So that's sort of, that's sort of what, what we do.
1: That is a beautiful weekly practice. I can imagine, um, and you said you've been doing it for 14 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, around that. I'm sure it's shaped through the years. Um, Oh, yeah, like the first year was miserable. (laughs) Right. Because I was just (laughs) trying to figure it out. I literally had withdrawals. I'm, I'm not... I'm not exaggerating. Well no, you're describing that that feeling um I've been trying and I I emphasize the trying cuz what you just described is nothing near what I do. But I have been <laughs> I have been the 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 oh, like the very like I have been trying to do something of a semblance of Sabbath now that I'm talking to you for the last 5 years. Um where you know kind of the work week ends for me on Sunday evening. Oh, I'm so sorry that thought Um, where the work week ends for me on Sunday evening. And so then I Sabbath until maybe, you know, but the thing is, I think the hardest part that I have found, there's two things and I'd love to get some advice on both of them. One, um, I start my Sabbath on Sunday evening, but my wife goes to work on Monday morning. And there's mm-hmm. aspects of what you've just described that that we're, we're 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 a couple, we're a family that we should be Sabbathing, and I'd love for you to speak to that. We should probably be Sabbathing at yeah. the same mm-hmm. time, but in order to do that, I would have to do Friday um, evening, and and I'm in the ministry, and and other like people with other careers as well. We're busy. I mean, we're just it's it almost seems like I'm just too busy to actually do what you're doing. And, and mm-hmm. I think of, and I'm thinking of all the different reasons why it just wouldn't work. You know what I mean? And so precisely, how yeah. do I, how do I, because what you're talking about, just lighting this candle and aligning my desires with God's desires and delighting in the Lord and resetting my week and coming back. I mean, I can imagine the first, like you said, I can imagine it being difficult and hard, but growing into something that just shapes me as a human being allows me to enter into, um, you know, moments throughout the week, which would be a semblance of what that is. I liked how you said that, how every morning when I meditate, I pray, it's just a fraction of what I get to experience at the end, Mm -hmm. you know. That's precisely, yeah. So how do I combat my busy American lifestyle, my phone? Do I, you know, like, I can imagine phones are the enemy of the Sabbath nowadays. Um, Or maybe not. Maybe I I don't want to be, yeah, I'm I'm open here, Mm -hmm. but how do I... Man, I guess my question would be: I'm just too busy to do what you're doing. How do I get from mm-hmm. where I'm at to where you're at? Yes, and that's I think.
0: Um, and by the way, this is this is fascinating because I'm actually starting a, a coaching business, and it's uh, it's called Exponential Life, and it's basically to help leader top leaders who have achieved a lot um, to integrate personal. Professional success and personal happiness, and the reason I ended up starting this thing is because that's who I was, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So on a on a large scale level, this is how I was was a pop star, uh, and I was just on the hedonic uh, treadmill, right? The rat race of that of desire that comes from me, yeah, right? It's my desire. And I've worked hard and I've deserved this desire. Now I need to maintain this, the level of, of reward that I have. Right. And then, and what happens is when people, um, uh, d- devote themselves professionally, which is wonderful. And there's, there's a place for it. There's six days for it. According to scripture, you, you work at serving you, your fellow human beings for six days with all your heart, as if you're serving God. So the standards for work are actually elevated as well in scripture. Um, and yet once with the, the day of the Sabbath, you are called to keep holy because you're reminding yourself and experientially reminding, not intellectually, that you are not the author of this stuff. Mm. You're not the source of life. and you're And also you're not here to idolize people or success. You're here to worship God. You are built to worship God. Yeah,
1: we are created for that. You're
0: built to worship God. So if you worship an idol, you will be miserable. And you, in the words of Jesus, can gain the whole world and you lose your soul, which is what happens with most successful people because they can't deal with their internal stuff. So they direct their creativity, their talent, their training into achievement, which is essentially how you become a pop star. It is very hard to become a rock star.
1: Yes, it is. Or a
0: CEO of a billion-dollar company, or a champion runner in the Olympics. It's very, very hard. And part of the motivation that people have usually is they're they're not only running towards something, but they're running away from something else. Mm. And what happens is they eventually it catches up with them. So you can your achievements come in, come back empty, mm. right? Your possessions come back empty. Your, your your the honor, the respect that you have from people, comes back empty, and you realize that you you've missed out on on the des, how you were designed to be as a human being, and that manifests itself in profound unhappiness and satisfaction, relational fraction, fragmentation, things like that, right? Um, so that's sort of I'm, the reason I tell you this is because I'm building this this coaching business uh, to help people like that because I was helped and blessed by something like that. And, uh, I've been living that life, what I sort of call the exponential life for 25 years now. It's amazing. Right. I'm so grateful for it. Um, how that relates to what you just said is precisely, um, like there's a, the step one in, in the program that I have is called the red pill and the red pill is you think you're too busy you believe you're too busy. You believe you can't afford to to not not produce for a day. You believe that your wife works on this day and you work on that, or maybe she doesn't even want a Sabbath, right? And how does that work? And your kids have soccer on Saturday, or or your your board will never stand for for you not to be on call twenty four seven right? Um, or whatever the list, the list goes on and on and on. Right? Mm-hmm. I can ramble off a dozen other reasons. These are not reasons. These are excuses, right? These are programmed, deeply ingrained, idolatrous beliefs. And the Sabbath is precisely so, I think it's framed that way. And, you know, you referenced early on that how, how, how crucial it was to establish a new nation mm. that is the, that be, that that God would go to extremes and say you have to stone somebody who doesn't want to do this because you are my nation you are a holy nation and you're so when you when you don't Sabbath you're clearly showing clear signs of idolatry right mm. so for them that's how it was so for us it's like what's the big deal it's a weekend whatever right uh, but like even what you said. It shows some of that, some of that tension that we all have, right? We all, we were created to be worshipers. You are a worshiper. You don't have a choice to worship or not worship. You just have a choice of who to worship and what to worship. Wow. And when you break for the Sabbath, you make a statement to the world, to yourself, to your family, to your God. I'm here to worship God. That's it. You know, um, so that's sort of the, I mean, the, the thinking behind it, but the practicals, I think, you know, are. Are still there? They they're persistent, right? So, for example, early on when I was developing Sabbath practice, I was like so into it, right? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I have an obsessive personality when it comes to curiosity and learning. So when I get into something, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm changing my life forever. Well, it was a, super selfish at the same time because at the same I was I'm married to the love of my life, I have three kids who have all kinds of things and they need rice. They don't have car They didn't have cars at the time. Uh, now they're sort of out of the house. So it's much easier. But I'm like you know, irritated by distractions and to-dos and things like that. And I'm like, so, I I mean, I'm ashamed to say, I would say to Deb, my wife, like, you're ruining my Sabbath. And she was like, excuse me, my Sabbath? Mm. I'm ruining your Sabbath, right? Mm. How about me? What about me, Mm. right? And of course, part of it was actually she was not, she didn't start Sabbathing until slightly later, but it was just very, it was was very self-centered of me. And so that required, okay, I need to step back. I need to humble myself before the Lord, before my wife, before my kids, and process this in a way that is organic, that is also sustainable long-term. Right. So eventually it evolves, right? So that's why I'm saying the first year of Sabbathing is super miserable because you're frustrated all the time. Like you're far from delighted most of the time. Like I mean, if you have one delightful day out of four, you know, yeah. out of four, like you're winning right. <laughs> essentially. So, um, but, but it's, it doesn't, it's not a good reason to give up on something that's so foundational to who you are. Right, so you just figure it out. You just navigate. You get a lot of advice. You read. You you sort of maneuver. You know this thing, and, uh, and eventually you start getting. You know, two 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 Saturdays out of four that are good, and then you do go to three, and then you go to four. You know, and I don't think you get. I mean, honestly, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't think I have four out of four. Almost ever ever,
1: you know. The donkey falls maybe into three a out ditch. of four.
0: Yeah, something happens, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And actually that we have a, um, and sometimes it's actually legitimate. So when, remember you said did Jesus broke the Sabbath, right? Sometimes. Uh, that he, he broke the law of the Sabbath, but not the spirit of the Sabbath. Wow. And that was his point to the, to the Pharisees, is that, you know, when he goes, I think he said, I don't think he said a donkey in a well, but I think he said a goat in a well or something like that. But for some reason it got mistranslated into our family's lingo. <laughs> And uh, so we have this term, donkey in a well, with Deb. And basically, whenever there's someone who we love who is just in dire straits, right? Mm. We just need to get with this person. Uh, We need to help somebody, you know? Uh, We call that, we call it donkey in a well. Donkey in a well. So donkey in a well. So Deb's like, honey, I'm so sorry, but we have a donkey in a well and we'll have to we'll have to change our plans. Wow. And I think that's what Jesus would was implying is like, look, you know, this is Sabbath is built for man, not the other way around. Mm. You know, and um so there's at the same time, there's a structure to it, there's a discipline to it, there's a restrained and, and delayed sort of action to it. And Simultaneously, there's a spirit of generosity and fluidity and selflessness and love for our fellow human being. Mm. Yeah. You know, so
1: and you have to hold that tension somehow. Yeah, you know? holding that tension, I I, I feel very convicted um, about what you said about we are created to worship, and you either are you're worshiping something. And I think it's very possible. Um, you know, part of the one of the things I've been discussing this season. Uh, with Tacho and Hannah, as we go on this journey, is a is a certain type of malaise that I feel um, has encroached in, and set into my walk with God. Um, Mm. and I say this not out of fear, but just more, I want to be mature enough to, to self evaluate and know where am I at in my journey? You know, being Christian now for a mere seven years is nothing, but it's enough time to where the, the feelings, you know, um, tend to fade away. And it's more about this mature decision. Are you going to keep going on this journey? Um, and I think something that you said is so profound is that you're worshiping something and it makes me know that like, it is possible to be a Christian and to just not be happy with your walk with God. Um, but it was never God's intention, and yes, and, and the and the whole point of that is, if if there's something off in my life, I think I, it's so important for us to go straight back to the source, the beginning of the Bible, and go, what was God's intention for me? How does Jesus fulfill that intention, and how do I commune with Him? And I think starting, um, just going down the journey of what it really means to align my desires with God. Um, that is a challenge, but it's a challenge that I really do want to take. Um, yeah, for someone who's a beginner, um, and even for me trying to do it for the last five years and feel like, man, have I sucked at that, but, um, <laughs> what are some practicals that you feel um, just this week that I can prepare and ready myself and have at least begin the journey of a Sabbath? Um, I know that it's, mm-hmm. it's, even after what you just said, it's probably not possible to just, I want a successful Sabbath. I'm like, well, that, like you said, comes over time. But- Yeah, it's a practice. Yeah, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. How can I start practicing Sabbath this week? Well, I
0: think you start by by saying, I will. I will continue- I will be, you know, in in, in Act Two. There's there's a wonderful one-liner or two-liners um, where the new the new formed church, this new f- amazing community of God, when it was just formed, they were devoted to the fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to prayer, right, and to mm-hmm. the apostles' teachings, the four things. And I love that word, devoted. Because it doesn't seem it—it's not perfect. It's mm. devo- devoted. Mm. It's not mas- It's not they're masters of it. They're just devoted to it. Yeah. And I think just considering yourself devoted to the Sabbath day is—is is the first step, right? Which basically gives you permission to fail. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and yet it it asserts a a a long term commitment to something. Hmm. I will be devoted to the Sabbath day until I die. It's beautiful. I will suck at Sabbath often. (laughs) I'll mess it up. I'll I'll allow idolatry to creep in. I'll allow my mind to go while my body stays in the Sabbath. My whole self is not going to be into it. You know, it's just true. But I will be devoted to the the day I die, which basically means you just pick yourself up and you start over. Mm. And guess what? Over time. Th- magic happens, yep. right? Next Friday night, light or, the candle and yeah, try it again. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I light the candle and I feel nothing. Mm. And sometimes I, I light, light a candle and my world changes. Right. You know? So you live for that after a while. You go, I'm going to be devoted because I want that more often.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. I want to work from a place of profound meaning. And creativity and joy, mm. because then my work will matter. Will transform lives, especially if you're in the ministry. My goodness, yeah. Like, who are you going to serve if you're miserable and and, and idolatrous? Golly, so true. What life are you going to change? Yeah. That missing that that one meeting or two meetings that you didn't take, is that going to even matter? Right. If you're profoundly disconnected from the very source of what you're trying to of the good news, right? Mm. <laughs> right. So uh, there's a, um, you know, every, every once in a while, a Bible translation that is not that is really a paraphrase helps. There's um, so the message translation every once in a while I visit it because it sort of gives you this almost like a flavor around uh, um, a, me- um, a scripture. And in Matthew 6, the message that says that this way. I'll, I'll read it to you. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. Hmm. you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Wow. And I just love that. You know, it's a paraphrase. I know that, right? Um, and there's a quote by St. By, by Augustine, and he says this. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Oh, my gosh. You know, so I'm saying that to you is that, what do you start? Well, you devote yourself. That's it. You just devote yourself Mm. and you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed until you succeed more than you fail. Uh, And that's really the beginning of it all. And then it's messy. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive, but it's absolutely transformative in the long run.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and you can start by, by Sabbathing half a day. You can, as long as it's a legitimate Sabbath, right?
1: right? Right.
0: Like, the the essence of it is maintained. Yeah. And then you just press into your success.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: Um, Planning is huge. Like, if you want to succeed, no success, no new thing happens without planning. 100%. So, talking it through with your spouse, with whoever you live with, uh, is huge. Huge, huge, huge. huge,
1: Mm. You know?
0: Um, So, for my kids, for example, I would talk to them about it in... uh, I don't think they Sabbath still, you know, it was, it, but they know the, the, the taste of it. Mm. And I think they will eventually. Yeah. I think they may be, actually, I should ask them, hey, are you Sabbathing? Because now they're, they have this new life in college and everything. And, you know, the older, the, my oldest child has been working full time for a long time. But um, the one thing they, they got a taste of is how we are, mm. right? Deb and I. And they didn't have any. They didn't have any um, chores. So they would strategically sort of uh, drag their feet, you know. For example, with the room or the or their dishes and stuff like that, uh, knowing that if the, after the, the Sabbath, after sundown on Friday, no one's going to press on them. Right. You know, which sort of makes you mad at some level, yeah. right? Because you go, really. <laughs> yeah. On another level. It's really an interesting challenge for our idolatry even of around us, right? Because the the Bible teaches us that not only are we to Sabbath, but our servants, our slaves, even our animals, if they're under our dominion. They must Sabbath as well. It's my responsibility that everything under my umbrella, my household, my roof, they will Sabbath as well. Yeah. So even if my, my kid sort of drags, drags their feet and doesn't do their, their work I'm, for my sake, I won't ask them to mm. like, I have a full sink of dishes. Right. right. And, and I'm like, okay, this is less than ideal, but you know what? I'm going to spin this in my favor. Right. You know, Yeah. <laughs> I'm practicing the Sabbath as a head of a household and my kid will rest.
1: That's amazing. You know?
0: You know, so it's awesome. It's
1: interesting. Huh? Well, I've surely uh, I've gained so much from this conversation, and it's just been so great to sit at your feet and listen to how you observe this ancient yet so um, so needed in current practice of Sabbath, and how it's been a journey, and I feel invited along to uh, see where it can take me as well and my wife and my future family and, and I hope our listeners feel encouraged to to give it a try and just taste and see what the Lord has because it is good in his burden is mm, life. Yeah. so thank Perfect. you Christian yeah. it's just been so great to have you on our podcast man and uh, I'll be praying for all of your endeavors and I'm thank certainly going to be thinking about you this Friday night as you yeah. begin your <laughs> Sabbath as the sun goes down I'll be thinking about you and um, I'll,
0: I'll say an extra prayer um, on, on Friday night for your, for your Thank you for the the spirit of the Sabbath to just descend upon you. Thank
1: you, you man. I really appreciate that. Well, I got nothing but love for you, man, and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you, thank you, Joshua. As we close out today's episode, I want to encourage you to really meditate on the gift of the Sabbath. God's intention of it was always meant to be a gift so you could realign your desires with Him. It was an incredible talk with Christian and I don't wanna let that go to waste. So my invitation for you is to find a way to begin practicing the Sabbath. Remember, it's a journey, have grace with yourselves. Even if you can't get a full day, maybe just a half a day, it's okay. This is a journey for a lifetime. And I wanna encourage you to make time for it. Whether it's this Friday night, as the sun goes down, you light a candle and for the next 24 hours, you delight in the Lord. Or if it needs to be another night or another day or a half day, whatever you feel honors God and honors your relationship and your journey with the Father, That's what I encourage you to do. And as we do this as a ministry, share with each other in your times, how you're benefiting from the Sabbath being implemented into your journey. Let's close out with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you are Lord of the Sabbath. You're Lord over my heart. And I pray, Lord, if there's any idols standing in the way of me fully experiencing what it means to delight in you, God. I pray that you make those evident. And I see now after this conversation with Christian that you make that evident through the Sabbath. What things do I hold on to? What things do I worry about? What things make me anxious, God? I pray that you take those things, show them to me that way I can lay them at the altar and let them go. God, I pray that you help me as I grow in this. I know this is a journey, but I want to honor you and I want to honor our relationship. Lord, I love you. Spirit, I'm grateful for your presence in this conversation. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In your name, amen. Wrestling with Faith is a nonprofit podcast brought to you by the Mission Point Yopro Ministry. We'll see you next time.